0: Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine.
1: Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight. I'm Sandy Jones, the host of this show and publisher of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we receive so that we can come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in Christian Living Magazine. I am excited because this is part two. We started this interview last week, and we're all back in studio. And I'm joined again this week by our editor, Gabe Bunderson, my good friend. Thank you for joining me again. Yeah, this is actually fun. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Told you so. I get to do the I was right dance. Oh, <laughs> and and we're continuing on with our interview with our guest, Kathy Carlson. And Kathy is formerly with Mission Aviation Fellowship. I'm just going to remind our, our listeners, and for anyone who didn't listen la- to last week's show, you can always catch that on our website, christianlivingmag.com. Under the About Us tab, there's a radio archives, and you can catch that interview there. But Kathy is um, currently with Paraclete Mission Group. She comes alongside missionaries and ministry leaders to help them in their work of taking the gospel message globally, like around the world. She has had a diverse career, previously working as a school teacher and later as a director of communications for an international firm. She brings a varied set of skills to her service at Paraclete she's been to 30 countries or is that more than 30 countries just over 30 just over 30 and she's serving the lord in so many ways including counseling others in emotional relational and spiritual health she has a servant's heart and i can attest to that after the last show and has faithfully followed god god's call to go where he leads and has been to such places as china lebanon and jordan Kathy, thank you for coming back and joining us again today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking me back. That's you know a second invitation means
2: that <laughs> someone
1: tolerated you
2: well the first time.
1: <laughs> this is a first for our show. We have never had a part A and a part B. So congratulations well, on the first. you. We're groundbreakers. <laughs> We're groundbreakers. So in your in your intro, it says you've been to China, Lebanon, and Jordan, and. You know, we kind of talked too about the same God that created us here in Safe America, also created the same and loves the same people in those countries where things are way different. So, do you want to, do you have any misconceptions you'd like to clear up about Christians in other countries? I would love to clear up the misconception of what
2: poverty is. Okay. I think that often, as really well meaning Christians, when we think of people living in poverty or hardship, we think of people. Living without money, without access to food, and that's a part of poverty. But a poverty of spirit, a poverty of heart, a poverty of generosity can pervade any culture. And so we have way more in common with one another around the world than we don't. And so for me, the idea of um, you know where where faith flourishes is where God knows he's deeply needed and where people call on him and admit their need. You know, in a conversation we were having earlier, Gay was saying, it's easy for her to say, I need you, Lord. And for others of us, we feel like we're supposed to bother him as little as possible. And I think it's far more the desire of his heart for us to be incredibly needy. And so I've been to places where people have very little physically but their relationship with the father is richer, deeper, sweeter than mine and i have learned amazing lessons from them that have caused me to visit my own heart about what is it that i really call a rich life with the father what do i really call safety what do i really call flourishing in the gospel it's an eye opener i'm humbled <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. and you know that's it's so funny because you're right I, i'm sitting here and you're and you're talking about gay being open, mm-hmm. you know. I, 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 I think your quote was, I, I'm a needy person. Is that what you said? Something what like you, that. Is that what you called yourself? And it's what, true. What you,
2: <laughs> well, and she said it a little apologetically. My heart leapt. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Gabe, really? part of my spiritual growth mm-hmm. is longing, asking the Lord, make me needy for you. Wow. We were wired to be needy. He never said, look at me and look at everything I do and go do your best version of it. He said... Abide in me. He sent his son to show what abiding in him looks like. We were made to be needy and connected, which is a hard thing to remember. Talking about culture, as we did last time, you know, culture influences whether or not we think we're successful Mm -hmm. by lots of different values. Our particular culture here in the West is that we are highly prized for our uh, self-sufficiency and not needing anybody and i have all kinds of ways in my personal life that i've wrestled through different aspects of that and i think you know Brennan manning says that i think it's Brennan manning i hope i get this quote right that basically uh actually it's not Brennan manning it's a it's a archbishop that the cry of the of the child's heart for abba father is the cry out of a genuine nightmare that we hurt in genuinely deep ways. We were never meant to just say, "Oh, I think I bruised my knee. Can I, can you help me?" It is, I am aching. I hurt. I need you. Wow,
1: I mm.
3: feel a lot better about being needy now.
1: <laughs> well, you know, and, and Kathy, I was like you I, as a as a leader, whether it's in business or ministry or whatever. I you know I struggle to allow myself. That neediness, That's, that is that—is part mm-hmm. of the struggle that I have in my walk is, especially here in America, we have this persona of leaders that we have to have all the answers, and we have yes. to be strong, and yes. we have to be this, and so that is something that, I, and when you said that, Gay, I was like, I so marvel at, A, the transparency, but the ability to stay that in tune with who we're really called to be because we're not called to be self-contained.
2: No, and I'll just say I'm constantly recovering. I was single for 47 years. Mm -hmm. I got married for the first time at 47. And boy, I did the single life well. And you can- learn to be prideful about your self-sufficiency in ways that the Ah, lord would love to have you unpack
1: (laughs) very very
2: interesting comment
1: (laughs) that's really cool so we talked to in our in our earlier interview about your husband brad and how he's written for us and so what a catch he's got it he's got to just feel like he's super blessed
2: Oh, my gosh. I, both of us are the most frequent phrase in our house is, did this really happen? Are you really here?
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So in, so you we have a story on you in our current issue of Christian Living Magazine. And I, in, in going over the notes on that, because you and I had not, well, we met, but not had a one-on-one right. met quickly conversation, in a yeah. So we don't, we don't so we don't really know each other. Um, <laughs> you worked for ten years for MAF, which I absolutely love. MAF yes. and their people are familiar with Mission Avi- Aviation Fellowship. Say that fast three times. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what you did at Mission Aviation Fellowship. So for many years, uh, actually, and I was with them for
2: ten, and it was a project that had started a couple years before I got there. continued for um, several years past my departure. But I was with a ministry thrust that they had called Learning Technologies, which used the same um, mission and vision of MAF in overcoming barriers and in helping take the gospel to the remotest parts of the world. But doing that with technology in appropriate ways, ways around the world to help take training and resources to pastors and Christians and church leaders in isolated contexts, whether they were isolated by geography or politics or religion or other socioeconomic things, and so um, it was where. So my background in life had been in teaching, and so this merging of education with the gospel with cross-cultural work. So it was amazing. A huge part of what we did was come alongside different agencies in parts of the world and help them create training that was specific to reach the Christians and leaders in their context and things with training that addressed their particular needs. So not just exporting online classes from here, but to say, what are the actual needs here in kenya what are the actual needs here in senegal what are the actual needs here in latin america so it was really just extraordinary
1: that's really cool we have another we have another article in in this current issue that talks about missionary work and how you have to remember as a missionary that you're not coming in at the beginning of their story. You're coming in in the middle of their story. And and I love what you just said, what are are your current needs? Not what I envision your needs being, but what are your current needs? And and I love that. So today, so for the, since 2013, so eight years you've Mm -hmm. been at Paraclete. So tell us a little bit about Paraclete, who they are, what they do, what do you do there?
2: So um, God just took me on an amazing journey with everything from my work at MAF, and MAF was a beautiful launching pad for that ministry. Actually, Learning Technologies became um, EduTech mission and launched out of MAF, so there, it's a self-standing mission now. And um, I wound up at MAF in the time in that team overseeing about 40 people around the world with that team. And in that, part of what I got to see along with seeing all kinds of other ministry stories was just that, you know, missionaries and ministry leaders wrestle with the same stuff everybody else does, but they're often, you know, we feel like we live in a fishbowl. And so who do I say, you know, who can I tell when I'm hurting? How can I talk about grief? What am, what appearance am I supposed to have? And so um, because of some stories in my own life, my grandmother at 87 left a very painful marriage. And that was um, earth-shaking for our family and what all of that unpacked for us. It made me also look at my own life. And I had gotten connected with um, Aphasis Group Ministries here in the Valley. They lead a discipleship process called Untying the Knots of the Heart. And it had been eye-opening for me and that led me to the, you know, the Lord was saying, "Would you come work with people's hearts?" And so he invited me to Paraclete. and Paraclete Mission Group is wonderful. It's uh, almost it's almost like a clearinghouse, <laughs> I call it, for uh, missionaries who have multiple skill sets. And they can work with any ministry that can use their skill sets in long and short-term projects to help those ministries, especially coming alongside Christian leaders, to grow in their influence in the kingdom. And so um, I get to come alongside multiple ministries with my education background, my member care background, um, and kind of helping people relationally and
1: safely unpack their bags. Many of our listeners, I'm sure, understand the mission field, but just as many probably don't, maybe mm-hmm. even more don't. And, you know, we were just coming hopefully out of COVID, but we have a friend who is a regional coordinator for Southeast Asia, and his father passed away in mm-hmm. the middle of COVID, mm-hmm. and he still has not been able to come home and help his mother put that all to rest. And that was such an eye opener. You know, a few months ago, we had our, my, my youngest son on this show and he and his family are preparing to move to Pakistan and enter the mission field. And so we, we have really become really familiar with so many of of the needs and, and you've, you've talked about that because we don't, you know, mm-hmm. missionaries are much like our, our pastors are, 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 you know, they're always giving out and, and you, you're right. You would live in a fishbowl. Yeah, <laughs> you, you do. Know.
2: And even though you know, I was—we are absolutely scripturally. We know we are new creations in Christ, yep. and but I invite people constantly um, to the both and of God. I am both seated in the heavenlies with Christ right now, and I am here on the broken side of heaven. Yep. And pain doesn't stop here. Um, we get moments of joy, but we also have moments of deep pain. And we, when I became a new creation that moment didn't just completely unpack all my life baggage. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I jumped over and I still came with my habits of people pleasing, my habits of managing my identity through performance. Um, Some of us came with, you know, we were never, we didn't live in a home where we knew how to connect emotionally and emotions are the bonds that make relationship happen. And so how do we continue to build, to process grief and, you know, pastors and missionaries get idolized. I do it. I did it for years. And then you get a peek behind the scenes and you go, those are people who have chosen to honor the Lord in this way, just like others have chosen through their line of work, but they don't have the same freedom to say when it hurts. And so we wind up doing the, well, yes, my husband got cancer last year, but we planted six churches, so it was fine. Why can't you say, we planted six churches we're celebrating, and this walk of cancer has been heartbreaking. Yeah. The Lord is in both of them. He's not asking us to cover up the yuck mm-hmm. with the yay.
1: They can swim side by side. That's I, I'm marveling at you right now, because two years ago, I got to attend my first pastor's conference. Mm. And I'm not a pastor, and I'm in ministry, but I'm not a pastor, and I'm not, or, not ordained, nor do I intend to become. But I got to come alongside these pastors, and I got to see them be fed into and I got to see pastors go before an altar call and be vulnerable yeah. and transparent. And I thought, what a gift, because they don't get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so that's cool. So, what's your favorite part of what you do at Paraclete? My favorite part with my particular skill
2: set, and I love Paraclete because we have church planters, we have people who do administrative work, all kinds of things. Um, my favorite part of coming alongside people is being in the on holy ground listening to their stories, listening to their full heart, giving them a safe place to unpack, helping them reframe some of what they've experienced, not to say, oh, see, so this is why this shouldn't bother you, but to reframe and say, where is God in this? If his Boy, if the gospel is meant for both the victim of situations and for the victimizer, and his love rewrites us at an identity level of who we are and where life is found and what we're worth, how do we, we we're all in this constant, or should be in this constant process of revisiting that story with the Father, because we need it, because we just take punches all the time in In our you know, family relationships and our work relationships, and just trying to maintain a car, I mean, there's not anything that doesn't hurt. And so getting to be with people as they get brave and they unpack that, and watching the Holy Spirit meet them
1: is holy ground. I love that. I love that. So we've talked about your favorite part. What's your tough What's the toughest part of what you do? The toughest part um,
2: <laughs> I'll say what my husband says about it. He says, you're great at your job because you are so highly empathetic. You actually take in people's pain, but then you've taken in people's pain. And so I am still growing in my own self-care and saying, Lord, how can I be present so that the Holy Spirit is doing that work and I am present, but my empathy is not allowing me to
1: be mowed down and bowled over. So the hardest part is, is hurting with people. I have to be honest to tell you that was that was what I anticipated mm-hmm. because because you are greatly empathetic, and the empath does generally absorb other people's pain. They feel it with them. Yep, so I'm a sponge. You're you're, you're you're a special gift, but you you do have to practice self care. Yeah. So that's cool. So. In our last episode, you talked briefly about going to a movie in Thailand, which, which spun me off in a whole nother direction. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder how many languages she speaks. So, Kathy, how many languages do you speak? That is so easy to answer. I speak English and
2: enough Spanish to stay out of jail and um, lots of greetings and thank you in different languages. Oh, yeah. So, um, I, it's really funny. I will find myself, if I come back from a trip to the Middle East, and someone does something kind, like holds a door for me, I'll say "shukran," which is "thank you" in Arabic. And I don't even—I'm re- like, oh, thank you—is what I'm meaning to say, <laughs> so that you know it. But I really have worked with amazing translators through the years. Wow,
1: that's, that's
3: incredible. You know, you you said during our interview, I have a resume only Jesus would love. And you said it somewhat self-deprecatingly, but man, I think you've got a lot to offer you know, to, to just about any job where you might apply, and particularly in what you're doing right now. You're well chosen for what you do, right? Thank you. <laughs> I know your husband, Brad. I know him really well. Yay. I've known him since he was in his 20s. We've worked <laughs> at two jobs together, et cetera, et cetera. I know he's a hunter and an avid fisherman, and I want to know if he's taught you to fish yet.
2: I married into fly fishing; <laughs> it is fantastic. I love it. So my dad started fly fishing about twenty years ago, yeah. and so Brad knew that about my dad. So when he you know met my dad, he just actually the first time he met my dad was an accidental run into each other at a coffee shop. We were up at Rembrandt's. And um, my dad was wearing a fly fishing t-shirt. And so he and Brad just started to blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And um, so Brad just thought I had grown up with that. And I said, no, my dad came to this long after I moved out of the house and had a life. And so, but Brad comes from generations of fly mm-hmm. fishers. Yep. And so I, I call it. We make bugs. We trick fish, and and I love it. I so in in a couple of weeks we're headed to the Madison River in Montana with his parents every other year. uh, I got invited into this lovely family. Journey, and I love Brad because I don't change my own flies. (laughs) I don't rig up my own gear. I'm the princess who puts on her waders and gets handed a rod that's ready to go.
3: You know what's really nice, and to bring this back around, faith. You know, you go out in nature to hunt or to to fish, and it's beautiful out there. You know, and you get to partake of what God has created, because we have a very creative God. Mm And he has an eye for beauty. And you look upon the mountains and the trees and the water and that in itself. If I never, if I went out and
2: never caught a fish, I would say, well, at least I'm out here with all this beauty. And Brad says there's no bad weather for fishing. There's only oh, bad gear. Oh, <laughs> so you enjoy that, every yeah. inch of it.
1: Yeah, he's a great guy. The worst day fishing is better than <laughs> That's right. the best day at work. That's yeah. so funny because my husband and I, when, when we met, he introduced me to bass fishing fishing mm. and i mean all i ever knew was putting a worm on a hook and waiting for a catfish <laughs> to swim by and so i learned all of the it's So i was listening to you i was like well oh, that's really a treat i've always said i'm too big of a klutz to fly fish <laughs> i would end up caught in all that line so i marvel at that that means you're very coordinated <laughs> so kathy thank you so much um can you tell us for any of our listeners who are interested in learning more about paraclete and how they can learn that or get involved how do do, where do they find that information? Paraclete.net. And it's
2: an amazing organization because there are a large number of us that get to influence a number of organizations and churches in countries around the world. So, uh, you know, at Paraclete, there are over 20 languages spoken amongst all of those mm. people. And the number of people that are counseled and trained and mentored, just the multiplication is amazing. And what I love about it is that everything is done from this transformational aspect of the gospel that
1: he is constantly transforming us from the inside out. So paraclete.net. Amen. Thank you so much. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your story. Thank you for joining us for two weeks. Bless your heart. That's a huge sacrifice. (laughs) Folks, if you'd like to read more about Kathy's adventures with Paraclete, it's in our current issue of Christian Living Magazine which can be picked up in over 600 locations throughout Southwestern and South Central and Southern Idaho, or read it online at christianlivingmag.com. Again, if you missed last week's episode or want to listen to this one again, go to christianlivingmag.com and under the About Us tab, you'll find our radio archives. That brings our time to an end this week. Folks, we invite you back next week when we have a special guest in store for you, someone I promise who will encourage you with hope and inspiration until next time, God bless.
0: This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers, as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout the Treasure and Magic Valleys and in Central Idaho through McCall. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867 Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.